0: Amen. Thank you for that. So, uh, my subject, uh, what forgiveness is. So, what is forgiveness? I want to take a minute to to look at the definition, to talk a little bit about what it means. And forgiveness, it's a transitive verb. And I always like when I do word studies or subject studies to to actually go and look at the... Just a dictionary definition of a word. I mean, it usually helps me. It usually helps me find uh, uh, what what it means. Okay. So forgiveness is number one to feel to cease to feel resentment against an offender. <clears throat> to cease to feel resentment. To stop feeling resentment against an offender. It doesn't sound like much. Okay, so number two, to give up resentment or claim of requital. That's compensation or retaliation. To give up resentment of or claim to compensation or retaliation. To forgive. So to give up resentment, to to stop not being resentful. And to give up the claim that you want restitution. That you want this, this person needs to pay, this person needs to rectify this. To forgive someone is to give up that claim. And I don't, uh, this person, if I forgive him, he no longer needs to pay. I forgive him what what he owes me. Merriam-Webster, the, the definition is, along is the same lines to forgive to stop feeling anger towards someone or to stop blaming someone it's just another definition i wanted to throw in there to stop feeling anger towards someone and stop blaming someone <clears throat> so it means to feel to, it means to stop feeling resentment against someone who offended you to forgive what they owed you and to forget i want to i want to touch on that for a little bit The situation is this. If somebody offends me, they did something to me that hurt me or caused me damage. So they owe me something. If somebody takes something from me, they owe me something. And so um, if somebody hurt you, how much do they owe you? How much do they owe you? And that probably depends on how much they hurt you. Some offenses are small and uh, are so small. Some offenses are so small that we take offense, that people take tremendous offense in. They're so small the other person never even noticed. Noticed it happens. They never even noticed that they offended that person. And yet this person is just, he's hurt. He's, uh, He's just carrying that. And every day he's, He's dealing with it and, and processing it and carrying it around. And the other person is totally oblivious. It's amazing. They never even realize what happened. Other offenses, they're so big, uh, the hurt is so deep and so real, the offender could never pay for it in a lifetime. In two lifetimes. So, so that. There's, there's different different offenses that people are offended about and that you have to deal with and you have to work through. Mm-hmm. So for, to forgive someone is to grant them freedom from the debt that they owe you. To forgive them. <clears throat> to say and accept in your heart that whatever this person took from you, whatever this person did to you, you don't expect To get returned or paid for. I think it's important for us, it's important for me to process through this. It's important for us to understand what it means to forgive. What does it mean to me? What does it mean to the offender? What can I forgive? Is forgiveness simply psychologically? That's the other thing. Does anything happen for the other person when I forgive? What happens spiritually? Why should I forgive? And, and those are some of the questions I hope I can shed a little light on today. Um, and who can, who can forgive? What can you forgive? <clears throat> and what, what does it mean to me? And what does it mean to the other person? So one, one of the things that struck me in, in, in thinking about this is what can you forgive? You can only forgive what someone did to you. So in other words, I cannot forgive a debt to someone else. Um, if, if someone stole from me, I'm the only person that can really forgive him. You know, no one else can come along and say he stole from you and now and, oh, I'm forgiving him. Um, I can't forgive him for stealing from someone else. You know, if that makes sense. Um, we all have this, see, one of the things is we all have this inborn sense of justice in what's right and wrong. And it's, it's natural. It's, it's good. It's, an, it's, a, it's a sense of justice that we all have or should have. If there's an injustice, we see something that happens that's, that's unjust, that's wrong. We will be bothered by it. And we want to see justice. And it, but it's not. But the Bible makes it clear that it's not our place to make sure justice is served. As Christians, we give that completely to God. Jesus said vengeance is mine God said vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. And that's that's one of the things we need to accept that it's God's place to serve justice and he will and he does. He does. There's no question. I don't believe on Judgment Day there will be anybody saying this is unjust, this is not right. However, it'll come out. I can completely accept that everybody will say, will know that the, the right, what what's the, what was what, what happened and how it all ends up is right and just and good. <clears throat> um, one interesting thing that struck me is that um, just in 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 working through this and and studying this. That in Judaism, uh, murder in, in the culture of Judaism, traditional Judaism, Jews and the cultural thing, uh, murder is an unforgivable sin. Why? Because the only person that can forgive some something is the person against whom it was committed. And God. God can forgive it also we believe that if your brother would have been murdered or your, your parent and you came to the place where you want to forgive the murderer, what can you actually forgive? And, and bear with me. It's, I'm not, I don't want to go off on a weird tangent, but I'm trying to make a point. Um, (laughs) um, so if, if, if my parents say, say one of my parents was someone's parents were murdered and, uh, and I forgive the murderer, what can I forgive? The murder wasn't committed against me. I can forgive them for the loss that I experienced through it. I can forgive them for the trauma that they caused to me. I can forgive them for, and I need to, I need to forgive them for all the losses that I experienced. And what, what, what they did to me and, and how, what the laws, everything I felt, those things I need to forgive. But actually, I can't even forgive the person for the murder. It's not my place. I forgive them how it affected me, if that makes sense. I'm not sure <clears throat> um, I'm making sense to you. Okay, so if, if, he didn't, if he didn't take my life, if he didn't take that from me, I can't forgive them. Um, so, <clears throat> the point is, the taking of, of his life is not even in your hands to forgive. <clears throat> the murder that, that happened there is not in our hands to forgive. Sure, we have to forgive them. We have to find peace in our heart that this happened. And uh, and uh, the whatever whatever they we feel they owe to us that was taken from us those are the things we need to forgive. The other things are in God's hands, and some of these crimes are against society. If it's a crime against society, then society um, society needs to forgive. Society needs to um, bring out justice. <clears throat> and, uh, and they, need to, they need to find forgiveness there. But in our hearts, we need to forgive people what they owe us. It's interesting to me that Jesus used this parable about forgiving a debt to teach us what it means to forgive. One of the big questions I've been pondering is this what happens when I forgive, when I forgive someone? Does something happen spiritually, in the spiritual realm, or is it, a just, is it just a psychological release for me? And, and I ponder that a lot, and, and that's the reason I shared what I, what I just did on, on what, we can, what we have the power to forgive. Does, uh, if you know what I'm asking, if you get my question... Um, if I forgive you, do you benefit anything? Do you? It seems like most people believe we generally believe nothing really changes for you. So my question is: Why do we ask for forgiveness? Why do we want to be forgiven? We know it's important for us to give, um, to, to forgive as the offended one. <laughs> as the victim or bitterness will swallow you up we know that bitterness will take over our life in good plain english if i forgive someone are they forgiven if someone is if someone if i forgive someone of hurting me on judgment day are they really forgiven and it's it's an important question for me maybe maybe you've never thought about it but It would explain to me why we are so resistant to forgive. It would explain to me why we have such a hard time letting go. But we call it forgiveness. Is the person then forgiven? Are they pardoned? If I forgive forgive a debt, if you owe me money and I forgive it, do you still owe me some? Is there still, you, will you still have to pay somewhere or is it, is it actually forgiven? We know if God forgives us, we are forgiven. We trust, we trust that much is true, right? He forgives our sins and casts them into the midst of the sea. He doesn't still, uh, still expect us to work it off in some way. Only he requires us to also forgive. God's forgiveness is conditional. And it's very interesting to me that it is. God's forgiveness forgiveness is conditional, very clearly conditional. <clears throat> um, so we have to forgive like we are forgiven. And uh, I'm sorry, I... I might confuse you more than I enlighten you. (laughs) Um, But I'm trying to answer the question, should we in every every situation, and, and think through the question with, if you can bear with me, think through the question with me. Should we in every situation, are we called to in every situation, just shut our eyes to what was done and blindly forgive? Not blindly, but freely forgive everyone and everything. It sounds wrong. It grates against our uh, it grates against our sense of judgment and righteousness but it seems to me, according to Christ, in, in, his, in Christ's simple, simple simple answer, that's what he calls us to do and that's in, in one of my opening comments I said um, Christ." Christ's answers are simple, and it's that way in a lot of his principles. But we make them complicated. And it seems to me if I just read Christ what he said on forgiveness, that's all he asks for us. And it's hard to accept, and it's hard, and I think it's good to process and to think through. How did Christ forgive us? We're all forgiven. If we accept it, if we ask for it and we accept it, we are completely forgiven if we forgive others. Christ forgave and paid the price for us whether we accept it or not. The price has been actually paid. We've been forgiven. The option to be forgiven. The price of our forgiveness, of everyone's forgiveness, whether he's a Christian or a heathen or he's... um, an and, and open offender against God. His forgiveness is there. He, the price has been paid, it's been it's been offered. Forgiveness is offered to everyone, but it has to be accepted. Can we wait to forgive until we see repentance? We must forgive fully and completely everything everyone owes to us. If we do not, we will not be forgiven. It's a scary thought. If we we pick some situation in our life and we decide to wait for repentance, we'll end up carrying a burden of bitterness and resentment and risk our own forgiveness, put our own forgiveness at risk. And, you know, we grew up that way, that we're kind of taught growing up, that first first there's an apology, then there's uh then there's forgiveness, then we ask for forgiveness um, it's, uh, I was visiting with uh, Daniel Russell on this, and he said he he shared the story of he was working with one of his children working through something, and it struck him that uh first. He had the child, one of the the one child, apologize, and then he said, "Well, now the other person, the, the child that was hurt, needs to uh, needs to forgive them." And he said, "It struck me that in in all this, we teach them that for, we teach our children that first they, the, the 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 child that did the hurting needs to apologize, and then we offer forgiveness." And it's interesting to me that as, even as young children growing up, that's how we start processing it. That's how we teach them. And we might do good to teach our children to forgive before there's an apology. I think it would be good, a good children's lesson, a good, a good thing to teach our children that they should forgive, that we, sh- we need to forgive whether there's an apology, whether it's, whether it's rectified or not. In our eyes. But the story of Jesus, uh, the the parable, the story on forgiveness doesn't end there. Going on with verse 28. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And here the story takes a tragic turn. This person, this joyful, rejoicing. This person who should have been... Perfectly happy and rejoicing for the rest of his life. He was inches away from spending his life in prison or as a slave. And he walks free. And he found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence, which is what? I don't know, maybe a hundred dollars. And he laid hands on him and he took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not. But went went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servant saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told to their Lord all that was done. So we see that servant who was forgiven so much and he was... And he, only by the mercy of his Lord, he was a free man, and now he did this. And, and looking in from the outside, we're like, how, what's, what's wrong? How far, how wrong, would, how messed up would someone have to be? It seems hard to imagine. <clears throat> but remember, remember why Jesus was telling this story. And then <clears throat> his Lord, verse 32, after he had called and said unto him, Oh, thou wicked servant. I forgave thee all the dead, that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servants? Eve, servant, even as I had pity on thee. And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. If you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. And his Lord was wroth. And delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. And, you know, like I said, we tend to only see the irony of this servant that turned from here to there. And we think it's really far out. But let's be honest with ourselves. Jesus ends the passage with a statement saying, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Jesus in his teaching in the gospel put a tremendous weight, a tremendous amount of weight on the principle of forgiveness. From your heart, forgive not everyone his brother. I think it's important that he mentions from the heart, because true forgiveness it has to happen in our heart. You know, we can say it. We can say we forgive. We can we can uh, we can repeat it to ourselves that we've forgiven this person, but until we've actually forgiven them in our heart, until we've actually released them from owing us anything, until we actually hope and pray. A, and until we're actually honestly able to hope and pray for their eternal benefit and their eternal redemption and their eternal soul, I believe we have not truly forgiven. And that's from the heart. <clears throat> in the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew 6, verse 12, Jesus said, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Then right after this, in verse 14 and 15, he reinforces the importance of forgiveness. And this is the Lord's prayer. This is how he taught us to pray. For if you, forgive not, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. And the same thing in Mark. He repeats it again. It's very clear that we can't be forgiven if we don't forgive. But forgiveness is hard sometimes. If we really feel hurt, we also have a sense of justice and what's right. They should, pay for their, they should pay for what they did. That's generally why we don't want to forgive. Because we feel like this person should pay. But that's not for us to decide. That's not for us to work out. Think about the parable of the unforgiven servant. You know we've been forgiven so much. We were without hope. There was no way we could have earned our way out of that, the hole we were in. Ransom had to be paid by a perfect, blameless sacrifice. There was no, and, and, and you know, there's no logical reason for God to pay for our sins. For God to send His Son, Jesus. You know, if we look at it, it doesn't really make sense that God did this. Outside of that, he loves us, that he cares, that he actually, genuinely, the God of all creation, the Lord of all the earth, of all the universe. He cares. He loves us. And he paid a great price for us. So that that price, what He paid, we have to remember. It's good to ponder it. It's good to always ponder it, to always keep it in front of us. We've all been in situations where we've been hurt. Um, A lot of times it's the people closest to us that can hurt us the most. We've all been in situations. I mean, many of us have been in situations that that have been hard to forgive. In some situations of our lives, um, there's the danger of becoming bitter against God for letting things happen in our life. It's not forgiveness, but maybe it is. It's strange how the human mind works, how we, how we process things we don't even realize we do. <clears throat> A lot of us have been in situations where we think it's it's impossible to forgive. But according to the words of Jesus, the things we have a hard time forgiving are like pennies compared to the millions He forgave us. Jesus said, if you do not forgive, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. And brothers and sisters, that means if we do not forgive the people that trespassed against us, we we're going to go to hell there's no hope we're lost and no we won't drag anyone with us with the grudge a lot of times when we're most offended the person who caused the offense doesn't even know we need to give forgive for our own sake for our own salvation <clears throat> and and what i want to say here that forgiving someone that has offended that has offended me does not mean I agree with him or her. What it means is that I'm, I'm don't hold it against them. I'm letting go of the resentment. <clears throat> Forgiveness is is not necessarily. There's a list my dad shared a few weeks ago, a while back at Cape of what forgiveness is, what it isn't, what it is not. It's not necessarily a feeling. Usually, but, but the feeling of forgiveness will follow if we honestly forgive. But sometimes it's a hard choice that we have to make. Forgiveness is not pretending that you were not hurt. And that's sometimes one of the worst things we can do, pretending that everything's okay. If we're hurt, we were hurt. Sometimes things hurt. Sometimes a small splinter hurts a lot. Forgiveness is not condoning what the other person did to you. It's not not that that you are saying it's okay what they did. It's not that you're saying it doesn't matter. Forgiveness is not trust. If I forgive someone, it doesn't come with trust. Trust is something completely different. Trust is completely in a different category. To trust someone, um, to regain trust, you have to um, you have to work through it. For someone to regain your trust, they have to walk in a way that's that's consistent, that where where you see that they are doing that, they are walking that way. And sometimes it's hard to differentiate. To say we forgive and we yet we don't trust. But trust is a completely different category, it's a completely different word. It's a different application. And I, I don't have time to go into, into it today. <clears throat> but it's it's I just I'll just say it's not trust. It's something complete trust is on a it's completely different. Forgiveness is is uh, releasing them from what they owe you. Forgiveness is not relieving the person, the other person, of responsibility, and that's a little debatable. I mean, there is there is a debate. Um, you know, people can debate if with the question I had earlier. That if I forgive someone, what are what are are they really forgiven? And I don't want to go into it again. I don't. Maybe it's just a rabbit trail. <laughs> um, but anyway, <clears throat> Jesus taught his disciples to love their enemies. How does that work? How do we love our enemies? How do we love our enemies? Or, or? And he says, bless them that curse us. Like, how did Jesus on the cross and, and Stephen, while he was being stoned to death, ask for forgiveness for his perpetrators? In the same way, we need to apply forgiveness to our lives. No, it's not, it's not agreeing on, on every detail. There's, there's a lot of diversity. But if we love our enemies, if we're going to love our enemies, we need to forgive them for the things they do to us. <clears throat> Grudges are a big hindrance. Grudges hurt us and bring us down. <clears throat> We cannot wait. We cannot expect people to change before we forgive. We need to walk in forgiveness. And what's a grudge? A grudge is is where I'm carrying something where I feel this person owes me. And I'm not letting it go. That's the same thing as unforgiveness. It's just hand in hand. And if I if I pile up a few of though if I carry a few of those in my life, it gets pretty rough pretty fast. <clears throat> What's the alternative to forgiveness? The alternative to forgiveness. If I don't forgive, what do I do? What happens? Bitterness. Resentment. Depression. Hatred. It's not pretty. It's rough. And even if someone is not a Christian, the the, the whole that whole world, the, the 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 world of psychology is full of issues with that. Those are the things that stem out from that those are the the, the Those are the fruits of unforgiveness. It can come these issues, these things can come from different places. But it's a guarantee if you harbour, if you don't forgive, if you harbour unforgiveness, it's going to result in bitterness every time. Bitterness and resentment. And that'll take you down a road of depression, hatred, and, and so on down the line, till till you till you have a disastrous end. So I want to touch on, on, on bitterness here and, and grudges. The problem with unforgiveness, the reason it's so important is that it never goes away. These feelings of resentment, they don't disappear. Just a single wound that someone gives us years and years ago. Without forgiveness, there's no healing. You know, it's like, for example, I had a deep cut on my hand and every day I scratch it open. Instead of, instead of tying it up and, and putting salve or, or uh, ointment on it and, and closing it up, let's say every day I, I scratch it open. Every day. That's what you have with bitterness. I can't keep my fingernails off of it. And every day I open it up again and it bleeds. And, and, I, and I, I keep doing that every day because I can't, I can't let it go. Eventually it will get bigger and bigger. It'll, it'll swell. I'll get an infection. It'll cost me my arm. It might cost me my life. And that's how bitterness is. That's the alternative, so that there is no alternative to forgiveness. It really isn't. And instead of, pile, instead of going away, they pile up. If you have one, you'll, you'll stack up another one. Over the years, things pile up. <clears throat> and you know, we've all, we've all run into these people. Some people you start w- visiting with, and it, it starts coming out. Bitterness, grudge, bitterness, grudge. And no friends, just poor old miserable me. And it's 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 a sad situation if you see if you meet an old man who's who hasn't dealt with bitterness in their life. And it's typical of sin, it always starts small, it always starts with one little one. And yes, there were mistakes. Yes, your parents might have failed. Yes, people hurt you. But you're carrying it. <clears throat> so we have to forgive. Jesus calls us to forgive. It looks hard. But it's the best and easiest way. So I want to. I have a story here on that I want to share on Corey Ten Boom, and I think we've heard at least part of it. It's, It's a bit long, but I think it's. I think it's worth it to make my point here. Um. So there's there's three different. Encounters of forgiveness that she ta- experiences, of forgiveness that she talks to, and I know uh, the first one I think Samuel has shared already a while back here, but <clears throat> I want to go through it again. And we all know who Corey Ten Boom was. Um, this is the story from November 1972. The author of The Hiding Place recalls forgiving a guard at the concentration camp where her sister died. <clears throat> And this is Corey Ten Boom in in first person. It was at a church. So after after the war, Corey um, went around sharing and ministering, and with the message of forgiveness. It was it was in a church at Munich when I saw him, a balding, heavy set man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat, clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to defeat Germany with the message that that God forgives. When we confess our sins, I said, God casts them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. That's when I saw him working his way forward against others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next a blue uniform and the visored cap with its skull and crossbones. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. And now he was in front of me, hand thrust out, a fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. It's quite an encounter. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook. Rather than take that hand, he would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remember him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. He was saying, I was a guard there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian, and I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Again, the hand came out. Freulein, will you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins, had every day to be forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. How could he erase her slow, terrible death? Simply for the asking. And here she's going through the emotions, some of the things that we talked talked about. How could she let that go? I could not, it could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed like, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it, I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since uh, the end of the war, I had had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. And listen to this. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives. No matter what their physical scars Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. Those who didn't forgive remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. I stood there with coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started at my shoulder, raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands. The former guard and the former prisoner, I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. And having thus learned to forgive in this hardest situation, I never again had difficulty in forgiving. I wish I could say that. And she goes on here from this story, and I think it's worth a read. I wish I could say that merciful and charitable thoughts just naturally flowed from me from then on, but they didn't. If there's one thing I've learned in 80 years of age, it's that I can't store up good feelings and behavior, only draw from them fresh, draw them fresh from God each day. Maybe I'm glad it's that way, for every time I go to Him, He teaches me something else. I recall sometime 15 years ago when some Christian friends that I loved and trust did something which hurt me. And you would have thought that having forgiven the Nazi guard, this would have been child's play. It wasn't. And here she goes into a different struggle that she had, a different bitterness that she was holding on to. Some friends betrayed her. For weeks I seethed inside. But at last, God, <clears throat> I asked God again to work His miracle in me. And again it happened. First a cold-blooded decision, then the flood of joy and peace. I had forgiven my friends. I was restored to my father. Then why was I suddenly awake in the middle of the night, hashing over the whole affair again? My friends, I thought, people I loved. If it had been strangers, I wouldn't have minded so. I sat up and switched on the light. Father, I thought it was all forgiven. Please help me do it. But the next night I woke up again. They talked so sweetly too. Never a hint of what they were planning. Father, I cried in alarm. Help me. His help came in the form of a kindly Lutheran pastor to whom I confessed my failure after two sleepless weeks. Up in that church tower, he said, nodding out the window, "It's a bell." which is wrong by pulling on a rope. But you know what? After the sexton lets go of the rope, the bell keeps on swinging, first ding, then dong, slower and slower, until the final dong, and it stops. I believe the same thing is true of forgiveness. When we forgive someone, we take our hand off the rope. But if we've been tugging at our grievances for a long time, we mustn't be surprised that the old angry thoughts keep coming up for a while. They're just the ding-dongs of the old bells slowing down. And so it proved to be. There were a few more midnight reverberations and a couple of dings when the subject came up in my conversation. But the force, which is the willingness in the matter, had gone out of them. They came less and less often and stopped altogether. So I discovered another secret of forgiveness that we can trust God, not only above our emotions, but also above our thoughts. So it's, forgiveness is sometimes a process. And sometimes it takes time. And I believe if we have it in our heart to forgive, it's okay to take time to process it. It's, I, that's, that's okay. What does forgiveness look like? And this is my final point. It may be slightly different in every person. I believe walking in true forgiveness is seeing every person in our lives as Jesus sees them. <clears throat> every, per- every offender has his own personal responsibility, has his own responsibility to come to repentance before God, to become the peace. It's not our place to make sure every person receives justice. That's God's work. Our calling is to forgive freely, just like we are forgiven. When we deserved hell, our heart and lives are wiped clean by the sacrifice and gift of Jesus Christ when we can truly and honestly hope and pray for someone's redemption who has offended or hurt us, I think that's when we've forgiven them. When we look at them through the eyes of eternity, to have compassion on them in the place of bitterness and resentment, when that anger, that bitterness has become a burden for their eternal soul. And that's sometimes a process, like Corey, when she was trying to forgive her friends who, basically, betrayed her. Betrayed her. When we have been hurt, wounded, scarred, or even deformed by someone's actions, that becomes hard. Sometimes it takes time. Even if we can bring our heart and mind to forgive, we have to start by faith. And I believe if we're, if we're just honest and that's what we want, God will walk, walk with us. He'll walk through it with us. And we still have to process the memories. We still be occasionally jarred by the ding-dong of the bell. But that's okay. It takes time. It takes time to forget. It takes time to process things. But <clears throat> our calling... And I hope for us all, we can find that in our lives is to forgive.